It's my pleasure to welcome John Palafutis to the pulpit. John is, was a pastor in the Presbyterian tradition, and he's been a faithful leader of a Wednesday night Bible study going on uh, for some 20, 30 years now. I know many of you participate in that and have benefited from his teaching. So, John, thank you for being with us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, Lord God. In the name of the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's good to be back in a Presbyterian church, uh, uh, but you, you need to be careful. Uh, I was a little surprised that David asked me to preach because you probably don't remember the last time I preached was the last Sunday we were in Convergence. So, but, and I think maybe that's why he asked me to preach today, although I, I don't think we're gonna be in there for a couple of weeks and we'll talk about that later. <clears throat> It was a bad news week, a really bad news week. The coronavirus, the stock market went down 13%. Everybody in this room lost money, whether you have an account or not, or somebody you know lost money. To top it off, the founder of Trader Joe's died. And to top it off, this summer there will be as many as 10,000 of those electric scooters in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Now, if that weren't bad enough, we come to church on Sunday morning to find some solace. We walk in and we go, it's the first Sunday of Lent. And uh, we realize that uh, we're in for, uh, we may be in for a hard time. But I, I want to talk about the season of Lent. I want to talk about sin because we've been talking about sin already this morning. And I want to talk about where we fit in in the proper place for not only Lent, but for how we understand sin. Now, it was interesting, this past Wednesday, we had the Ash Wednesday service, as, you, as many of you know. Now, what's also interesting, I usually sit in the back of services just to get a sense of where things are. And if this, were your, if this had been your first time at a Christian worship service, you would have probably had a distorted impression of faith and Christian believers. Although the sermon emphasized the grace of God and the need for repentance. The confession included over 35 distinct sins, 35. So you can imagine this visitor sitting down, this newcomer to the church sitting down and says, gee, there are only 10 commandments and these people broke 35. Uh, what kind of place is this? But uh, we need to take a look at it to see the nature of sin because it's, it's easy to take a look at, at sin as if it's only the Ten Commandments. Now let me read to you what the prayer book has to say uh, about Lent and where we fit into it. Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the season of Lent, a time of penitence, fasting and prayer in preparation for the great feast of the resurrection. The first thing the priest says as he starts the service is, I invite you therefore in the name of the church to the observance of a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting and almsgiving, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. These are great aspirations for this, these next 40 days until Easter. Now, it's because of this that why many of us change our normal patterns during Lent. Uh, we, many of you give something up. I had dinner with friends uh, the other night and uh, uh, as we were uh, uh, having the meal, he, uh, he said, I, I gave up wine for Lent. 
uh, which I suppose was a good thing. I don't know his drinking habits, but uh, he gave up wine. Other people give up chocolate. Other people give up sweets. Um, I venture to say somebody in the Wednesday night Bible study once told us all that she had given up wine for Lent, uh, but she had not yet given up bourbon. Now, I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's in the spirit of, of, of Lent, but I, I, I applaud at least the, the effort. Others of us have taken on spiritual disciplines, daily communion, reading a devotional book, praying with friends. In fact, when you leave here today, you're going to find this daily devotional in the back, and it may be something you want to do for your own Lent. Uh, I encourage you to do so. And some of us are donating, donating money to worthy causes. Now, as good as these Lenten disciplines are, you could get a distorted view of sin and a distorted view of what these disciplines do. And our two lessons today, very familiar lessons, are going to help us clearly define the season and the nature of sin. This is, the story of Adam and Eve is really a familiar story. Uh, people have various uh, opinions about it, but the entire story rings true. It rings true because Adam and Eve really sound like us. Really sound like us. And let's do a little careful look at this. The first thing is, Adam and Eve are in the, in the garden, and God has taken great preparation. If you look in this story, he said everything was wrapped around caring for these two people, very intentionally. Also, the Bible is very clear, and we have to understand where we fit in the universe because of God. Regardless of how you think things came on, we are not the function of chance. Let's say it again, we're not the function of chance. God very intentionally created us. We are not chickens. We're human beings made in God's image. And we have to remember that. It gives us our dignity. It gives us our responsibility. Unfortunately, it also gives us our great capacity to sin. Now, God in the garden uh, uh, comes up to Adam and Eve and tells them all that they can have. Now, it's interesting that God gave them everything. He gave them everything. And yet, they wanted more. He just said, don't eat of the tree of good and knowledge. Imagine that, just one thing. And we have to ask ourselves why. There's no question about it, it was a test. You can ask God when you get to heaven to figure out why he tested us, but he did. And he tested them. And he said, don't eat of the tree. And it's a curious command. One command. The tree was good. It wasn't as if they would eat the tree, eat of the fruit of the tree, and suddenly become poisoned. Not at all. Everything God made was good. But it was a test to see if they would really believe that God was good, that he had his, his, our best hopes and intentions in his own mind. Now, it's also interesting that God didn't pick something that was really something we would understand, like lying or cheating or adultery or stealing or murder. It wasn't that. He gave that command simply because he was God and he wanted to see if they would obey it. Now, it's instructive that how the devil approached Eve and Adam in talking about this sin. 
The devil comes up to Adam and Eve in a very sophisticated way. It reminds me of uh, my first college class in sociology at Florida State University. It was your alma mater, wasn't it? I flunked out, you made it through. <laughs> the, the first class I had, I sat down in a sociology class, and I remember the professor well, um, and he uh, uh, paced up in front of the, of the students, feeling, uh, obviously feeling very self-important. And at one point in his lecture, he stopped and he said, do you realize that there are people in this country that end up in college, that are freshmen in college, that actually believe that Jesus Christ walked on water? This is my first class. I'm going, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in deep trouble. But it's exactly in some respects, in some respects it's what the devil did with Adam and Eve. He says, did God really say? I mean, he sneered at him. It wasn't really an argument, it was kind of a sneer. Did God really say that? And he's undermining what we think we might believe. And even Eve, when she heard it, she said, well, he said, God said we shouldn't eat it and we shouldn't touch it, which God did not say. He said, don't eat it. Then the devil says, yeah, and he lies to her. He says, you won't die. Don't worry, you won't die. Again, undermining the veracity and the nature of God. And then, she, then he comes in with a kicker. He said, he knows that when you eat, you'll be like him. You'll be like him. And this is the nature of our sin today. We, we look at the Ten Commandments, and I want to take this hope from, you all, uh, from all of you away. Most of you, I hope all of you, have not broken the Ten Commandments this week, any of them. Uh, maybe you're just lucky. Maybe it was very intentional. But the issue is, you, however, did sin. You did sin. And the sin was not believing God. That was the sin. Now, the problem with this story for us is that God gave Adam and Eve a good thing, and they misused it. In the same way, the threat for us during Lent is to take a good thing and misuse it, to allow it to come between us and our relationship to Jesus Christ. People like me and preachers are often talk about, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you have a personal relationship? And it's very important that we understand that our relationship with Jesus Christ is personal. Jesus Christ gives us our meaning in life, our significance in life for what he did on the cross and in the resurrection as we celebrate this season. So when we let good things get in the way of that, it's a sin. For instance, jobs and earning a living are a good thing. There's nothing wrong with them. But too often, we let those things get in our way with, with our uh, faith in Jesus Christ. I once worked for a man uh, at a trade association who was, uh, went to church at least twice a week, uh, very devoted uh, to his congregation, and yet he was the single most abusive boss I had ever had. He was foul-mouthed and, and abusive. And he did it because he said, well, it's very important for our organization to succeed, and therefore I have to do it. And he covered it by saying, I'm a good manager. I'm keeping things going. But there was no relation between his faith, whatever it was, and how he conducted his living. He wanted to be a success no matter what. 
Having a home is a good thing. But sometimes we can let that pursuit of a home, of having the best home in the, in the, in the neighborhood, get between us and Jesus Christ. Families, relationships become important. Too often, though, we can let relationships define who we are, apart from Jesus Christ and his love for us. Even giving up things for Lent can get in the way. We have to be very careful as we take a look at if you are giving things up or taking things on, that they don't bring further alienation from you and God. And it's easy as these good things. The purpose of giving up the sweets, the wine, the bourbon, whatever it might be about doing the devotions, is to help us understand the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in a very small way. And it, we have to understand that it is a small way but it is a reminder of what Jesus Christ gave up for us. And the reason it's so important is we have to take a look at Adam and Eve again. When they sinned, three things happened to them. They were alienated from God. They were alienated from each other. They were alienated from themselves. There was spiritual, sociological, and psychological alienation. Let's take a quick look at Jesus Christ now being tempted by the devil because a similar thing happened. The devil confronted Jesus. And you see the three things he tempted with him with were all good things. Jesus was out in the desert for 40, 40 days fasting. And the devil came up to him and said, listen, you're hungry, make some bread. Then he tempted him with safety. You know, you're, you're up in this high place. He took him to a high place and said, you know, you might fall. Tell the angels to come in and take care of you. And then he tempted him with authority, saying, oh, you, I'll give you everything so you don't have to, 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 to do anything else if you just worship me. So all three things were good things. They weren't bad in themselves. But they would require Jesus to divert and disobey God, because Jesus had one thing in, in mind, and that was the cross, the cross. And I want to disabuse us all of what happened with that temptation. Jesus' resistance of the temptation was not merely because he was divine, but the, his motivation for re resisting is he resisted for us. There's no question in his mind he had the Garden of Eden in his mind. And he resisted that temptation so that he could be the proper sacrifice on the cross, looking forward to Easter, looking forward to the, uh, the crucifixion. The thing we have to, one of the things we have to look at during Lent and all these things is the kinds of decisions we make, especially in believing God and coming before him. Years ago, when my grandchildren were maybe two or three, I was visiting them in Pittsburgh. And I noticed at that time that the children, when they were called by their parents, uh, they would say, come here, Olivia, Elliot, come here. And I knew something was happening with the kids because at that time, they said, why? And the parents would tell them why. Now, when I call the kids to come, 
And they said, why? My response was, because I told you. <laughs> it's the only reason you need. And so I tried in, my, in, a, in a hesitant way to encourage their parents uh, to do the same. But, you know, they patted me on the head and say, you're old, you know, you grew up in a, you grew up in a Greek household, you really don't know the modern way. <clears throat> now, I'm not as dumb as I look. I picked my fights uh, with the kids and I said, okay. I was heartened this past week, or this past month, when we went up there, that the kids are now nine and 10, and their parents would say, Olivia, Elliot, come here. And the kids would say, why? And a miracle happened. <laughs> the parents would say, especially their mother, because I said so. Now that tone, that answer brought immediate response. There was no bargaining. And in some respects, that's what's happening to us in our own lives with sin. Uh, I, there are times that we obey God merely because he said so. We don't have to understand the, the, the profound meanings that go in it, but we have to believe him that God through Jesus Christ is constantly calling us to himself for that relationship and for that forgiveness and that significance in our lives that we ought to have. I wanna to read to you uh, something Paul said uh, in Philippians. He says, for his sake, Jesus' sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I'll take an issue with the Book of Common Prayer, a minor issue, that it says, the purpose of Lent is to prepare us for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I prefer to think that the reason for Lent is to prepare us for Good Friday, to understand what happened on the cross, to understand the profound meaning of that. Because here's what happens on Good Friday. Adam and Eve were in the garden with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And their decision turned that tree into death. Jesus Christ on Good Friday, clung to a tree for us and made the tree of death into life. Now the promise of that is worked out in all our worship services. We're gonna come and take communion. I look forward to the day when we're back at Convergence and we can come forward and kneel. But it's communion. And we're called here. And why do we come? I think if we started talking about what communion means to you, each of us would have a different understanding. But make no mistake about it. We come here because Jesus Christ says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. We come in faith, not because there's great rewards here, not because we're guaranteed of anything, but we come in faith to know Jesus Christ. I'm gonna change one paradigm for Lent. The opposite of sin is not virtue. Let me say it again. The opposite of sin is not virtue. The opposite of sin 
is faith in Jesus Christ. We will come to the table. Let's pray. Heavenly King, we thank you that you beckon us and you do it for our own good. Open the eyes of our minds and hearts that we would know that you're the loving God and that our hope is you in you and you alone. Amen.